So uh, this week as I was thinking about what to say this morning, I realized that before I get into my sermon, I wanted to take one last shot at all of you who are graduating and leaving us. One last opportunity to make sure that you are clear on the one and only message that really matters in life, and that's the gospel, the good news about who Jesus is and what he's done. The reason that God has left you on earth is so you can tell people about Jesus. That's the only reason. Otherwise, he'd take you to heaven. He doesn't need you to go be an engineer or a teacher. None of that stuff is necessary in God's kingdom. The one necessary thing, the one reason you're here is to tell people about his son, to tell people the gospel. So let's make absolutely sure while your minds are awake and alert, I have not put you to sleep yet, let's make sure you are absolutely clear on the good news of Jesus. It's a really easy message. Starts with bad news, then it's got good news. Bad news is we are all sinners. We have done bad things and that sin separates us from God. And there's nothing we can do to fix that. But now the good news. God loves us so much that he sent his own son, Jesus, to die in our place and rise from the dead so that he could give us eternal life as a free gift. He died so that we could have forgiveness for free. You don't earn it. So yes, graduates, you had to work hard for four or five or six years to earn your degree. That's how A&M works. It's not how God works. You don't earn anything from God. It's a gift. It comes to you for free. All you must do is receive it. Just say yes to God. Just say, God, yes, I, I want eternal life as a gift. I believe that Jesus, your son, died for my sins and rose from the dead so that I could be forgiven. I want to make sure you are clear on that message before you leave. That is, by an infinite margin, the most important thing I've ever said to you. So if you are not yet clear, if there's something that you're like, it doesn't quite make sense to you, or if you're like, wow, that's the first time I heard that, please come talk to me after the message. Let's make sure you're clear on that before you leave. Then if you're clear on that, I want to challenge you to share it with someone. I want you, wherever you're headed next, the school, the engineering company, the business, wherever you're going next, I want you to talk about that message with people. Because that's why God is sending you. Wherever you're going, you're called, you're sent. God has a mission for your life. And it's to go to that engineering company or that business and be a light for Jesus. Tell them about Jesus, about what he's done, about who he is. So please get the gospel right and make it your ambition in life to tell as many people as you can the good news about Jesus. All right, this morning we're going to begin our summer series on theology Anytime I talk about theology, it reminds me of this time that I was a kid. I was in elementary school and I went fishing with my cousin and I made the mistake of standing behind him. And so as he cast back, it hooked me right in the top of the head and he yanked and it went deep. And so we cut the line and my dad took me to the hospital, to the emergency room, and and they put a bunch of shots in my head and pulled it out and and stitched it. And it it hurt really bad. But what was the worst part of that moment was was, was when the doctor turned to my dad and he said, "Um, well, just make sure in a week that you take those stitches out. And see here I'm thinking, wow, 
it hurt that bad going in and you're a doctor and now you're going to let my dad who doesn't know anything about medicine, he's better at welding than fixing someone, you're going to let him yank these things out. I was terrified the whole week, just so scared of that day. Big day arrived and I'm a mess. I'm just a wreck. My dad tells me to go to his bedroom and sit on his bed. So I do. And my dad says, well, son, I'm going to go to the garage real quick and get my tools. And so... Yeah, you know where this is headed. My dad goes to the garage and he grabs a screwdriver, vice grips, and his power drill. <laughs> he comes to the room and he chalks up a half inch bit in that drill and he plugs it in. It's not the battery powered kind. No, that's weak. He plugs it in and he begins to rev it in front of me and I am weeping. I'm just, I'm a mess. I'm shaking. I'm in terror. I'm just wet with all of these tears. And so my daddy sets the drill down and he says, okay, son, let, let, me, let me check the wound one more time before we get to work. And so I bend over and I'm just looking at the drill. He put it right under me so I could just look at it. And he's moving my hair around, getting things ready. And then he says, son, look up. And he's holding the stitches. He's just sitting there in his hand. Didn't hurt at all. Now I needed some therapy after that, but... <laughs> But it did not hurt at all. It was not nearly as bad or as painful or as hard as I assumed it would be. Well, that's exactly the scenario we face this morning as we start to talk about theology. (laughs) Because in the mind of most Christians, theology sounds hard and painful. In the opinion of most Christians, theology is something that's hard. It's for seminary professors and pastors off preparing their sermons. Don't you have to know Greek and Hebrew and the meaning of words like superlapsarianism to understand theology? To other Christians, theology just sounds painfully boring. Why do you want to know about superlapsarianism when you can watch Netflix anytime you want? To other Christians, theology sounds contentious. It's what we fight over. It's what divides one Christian from another. And to a lot of Christians, theology just sounds irrelevant. Why would you care about what superlapsarianism means? How will that have any effect upon your daily life? My goal this morning is to prove to you that theology is not hard or boring or contentious or irrelevant. I want to help you see that theology is actually one of the most important, most accessible, and most enjoyable things that you'll ever learn. My goal is to help you see that theology is incredibly useful. It's something that matters to your day-to-day life, and it's actually something that you're already doing day-to-day. And that's my first of two big ideas. I just got two big ideas in this sermon. First big idea, you're already a theologian. Whether you realize it or not, you are already doing theology every day. That's clear when you define the word theology. It comes from two Greek words, theos, meaning God, and logos, meaning words, knowledge, or speech. So theology is literally just words or thoughts about God. Anytime you think about God, Anytime you speak about God or to God, you're doing theology. So theology is the kind of thing you do every day. It's not just something for professors or for pastors. It's something for all of us. Anytime you think or speak about God, his works or his world that he's made, you're doing theology. So when you open your Bible to one of the Psalms and you read it and then you respond in praise, that's theology. You're thinking about who God is and what he's done. That's theology. 
Whenever you're having a really bad day, you just feel awful, you feel full of despair and discouragement or you're suffering and you turn to God in desperate prayer and ask him for help, you're doing theology. You're thinking about who God is and how much he loves you and what he's promised to you. When you tell a friend about Jesus, that's totally theology because Jesus is God. You are literally talking about Jesus, meaning talking about God to share the gospel is theology. When your child comes to you and asks where her great-grandmother is who's passed away, that's theology. Gracie came and asked me that a a while ago. We talked about her great-grandmother in heaven. That's a completely theological conversation. You're talking about the home of God. We are doing theology every day whenever we think or speak about who God is, what he's done, or the world that he's made. Every thinking person on this planet is a theologian, including non-Christians, The person who is a a Muslim or a Jew or a Buddhist, they're theologians. They're doing theology every time they think or talk about their God or gods. Now, we would say that they are not doing accurate theology. We would say their theology is wrong, but it's still theology. Even atheists are theologians because they think and talk a lot about the non-existence of God. That's still theology, bad theology, but theology nonetheless. Every person on earth is a theologian. So the question is not, are you a theologian? The question is, are you a good one? Is your theology any good? Is your theology true? Does your theology line up with reality? The question, as as C.S. Lewis put it, is theology is practical. If you do not listen to theology, that will not mean that you have no ideas about God. It will just mean that you have a lot of wrong ones. Bad, muddled, out-of-date ideas. Everyone's a theologian. The key is to make sure you're a good one. You have a theology that you use every day, whether you realize it or not. The question is, is it a good one? Is it true? Does it line up with reality? That's the, the big idea of this message. You're a theologian, so you need to make sure you have good theology. You need good theology, maybe more than you've ever realized. You desperately need good, true, accurate theology in your life. You need it for at least five reasons. Here's top five reasons why you need to have good theology in your life. First of all, you have to have good theology if you're going to love and obey God. Now that may surprise some of you. Because to a lot of Christians, theology sounds the polar opposite of love. Loving God, that sounds completely opposite from studying theology about God. But you need to hear the words of Jesus in the most important command in the entire New Testament. We call it the great commandment in Matthew 22. Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. First and greatest, that means pay attention. Jesus is saying this is the most important thing in life. This is God's most significant expectation of you, that you would love God with your entire self. And then Jesus talks about you from different perspectives, and one of those is the mind. If you're going to love God, you must love him with your mind. And that word mind in Greek, it's very similar to the English definition of that word. It's your faculty of reasoning, understanding, knowing things, your knowledge. You love God by knowing true things about God and thinking rightly about God. In other words, you cannot love a God you do not know. It is an absolute impossibility. 
If you do not know God, I promise you, I guarantee you, you do not love him. It's just completely mathematically impossible. You can only love a God that you know because you love with the mind. Jesus is commanding us to love God with our minds. And so love and theology are not at odds with one another. That's what a lot of people think. The more you study theology, the more your love for God will diminish. Well, that's only true if you're studying bad theology. If you're doing theology badly, if you're doing it out of pride, if you're studying theology so you'll feel better about yourself or look good to other people, well, that's not going to work out well for you. Or if you're studying theology that's not true, things that aren't true about God, well, that's not going to help you love God more. But if you're humbly studying true theology, if you're studying true things about God out of a desire to know God more, it will grow love. It's guaranteed. The more you know truth about God, the more you will love God. So you study theology to grow your love, and that's ultimately what this summer series is about. We're going to spend the whole summer talking about theology, not to just fill your head with knowledge, but because as we fill your head with true knowledge, your love will grow. And that's what the summer's about. We want you to love God more, and you'll love him more as you know him more. So theology, it's how we get to love God more. It's also how we get to obey God more. We obey God by learning about God. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Often when you think about obeying God, you you probably think a lot about actions, right? Like what you do, maybe speech, what you say. So you have a sense of to obey God, I need to do the right things and say the right things. But Paul wants you to understand it goes further than that. You also have to obey God with what's going on up here between your ears, your thoughts. You, You must take every thought captive to obedience or to the lordship of Jesus. You say, Jesus is my Lord and so I submit everything to him, including what I choose to think about. So when a thought comes to my mind, I take it captive. To take a thought captive means you grab hold of that thought. You don't just let it run with you. You grab hold of the thought and you compare it to truth. Is this thought true? If not, I reject it. If yes, I embrace it. And so Paul's saying we obey God by taking our our thoughts captive and comparing them to truth, to good theology, and we hold on to that which passes the test. So if you're going to obey Jesus, you must think rightly about Jesus, and you think rightly about Jesus through good theology. And so what I'm trying to help you understand is that wrong thinking about God is not just an error, it is a sin, If you are thinking things about God that are not true, that is not just a mistake. That is a sin. We're called to obey Jesus with our thoughts and we can only do that by studying theology and learning what is true about him. So theology is absolutely necessary for loving God and for obeying God. You gotta have it. Okay, so that's the first reason that you need good theology, to love and obey God. Second reason you need good theology is to resist sin and heresy. Sin, you know what that word means. Heresy, that means falsehood, deceit, things that are not true about God and about Christianity. Good theology protects you from heretical teaching, false teaching, and from sin. 
Paul talks about that in the book of Ephesians chapter 4. He says, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. Speaking the truth in love, that is theology. We're speaking truth about God to one another out of a loving motivation, a humble motivation. So Paul's saying, when you do good theology with one another in a community, speaking truths about God to one another, you help each other grow strong in the faith. And the result of being strong in the faith is you won't be knocked over by every wave of false teaching, by every scheme and deceit of false teachers. I, when I was a kid, I, I recall watching Benny Hinn preach. I don't know if you know who that is. Um, Benny Hinn is a health and wealth prosperity preacher. He preaches that God wants to give you money. Uh, And so I recall that he grabbed his Bible and he opened up to the Old Testament and he read one or two verses out of the prophets. And then he used those verses to prove to his audience that if they give him money, God will shower money upon them. Now, what was interesting to me, I grew up in a Bible church where the teaching was really solid and deep and meaty. I recall that Benny never talked about the context of that passage. He gave you no idea what came before it or what came after it or who it was written to or when it was written. He didn't define any words, no word studies. He didn't talk at all about the distinctions between Israel, the original audience, and the church, who we are today. He did not do any careful discussion of the passage, and that was intentional. Because he wanted to keep you as shallow and your faith as vapid as possible. Because the less you knew about Christianity, the easier you would be to deceive. He's a con man. And he wants his targets to be deceivable. To be easy prey. So you protect yourself from men like him by learning good theology. By filling your mind with truth about the word of God and about God and his ways and his works in this world. And that insulates you from heretics. It protects you from false teachers. It also protects you from sin. Paul goes on a few verses later to say, you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Due to their hardness of heart, they become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality. The progression is important. You notice at the beginning of that passage, it's all words about your mind. They are futile, foolish in their minds. They're darkened in their understanding. They cannot understand truth. They do not see that which is real. They are ignorant. They don't know truth. So their theology is bad. That's where it starts. Bad theology up here. What's the result? Well, they're callous and they give themselves up to every form of sensuality. And then he goes through and just talks about all these sins that they give into. All of this horrible behavior in their lives because it had, they started with bad theology. Bad theology always leads to sin. Bad theology is why the Christian man all of a sudden at some point in his life decides that it's okay for him to marry another man. That's bad theology. He does not understand truth about how God designed us and how God designed marriage. On the flip side, it's bad theology for the straight Christian to look down on that man and think I'm better. When the straight Christian says, well, God loves me more than him, That's a sin of pride, and that's created by bad theology. No, you don't understand the extent of sin or the grace of God. Bad theology leads to all sin. 
And so if you want to protect yourself from walking down the path of sin, you must fill your mind with the truth of God's word. You got to study good theology or you are an easy target for sin and false teaching. So good theology protects you. Third reason to study good theology, it grows you spiritually. Good theology is how you grow up in the Christian life. If you want to mature, if you want to become more like Jesus, you do it by studying theology. Paul says this in Romans 12, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Goal of the Christian life is to be transformed up here in your mind. Your mind needs to become filled with truth, to think truthfully, to think in a correct way about God and life and and everything. As your mind is transformed, the result is you grow up to approve everything that God does. Your life becomes more like Jesus' life the more you grow in true theology. Theology can drive spiritual growth and fill your life with joy and purpose. One of my fondest memories of my time up in Northern Virginia after I graduated and moved up there, and one of my favorite things was going to Barnes & Noble after work. I was single at the time, and so I would grab a quick dinner, grab one of my theology books on the shelf. I just bought a bunch. I'd never done theology before, but as I left college, some people gave me some suggestions. So I'd grab one of those books and head to Barnes & Noble, buy a latte, sit down by a window, look out at the trees and read this book, and it was so incredibly wonderful. Now, full disclosure, part of the joy that I felt was the fact that that was the first time in my life I'd ever drinking coffee, and I liked it a lot. Didn't drink any of it in college, started getting lattes, found they were awesome and made me jittery. So some of my joy was caffeine, but most of it was my first exposure to theology. I would read these books, I open them up, I'd read like two pages and that's as far as I could get and I had to stop because my mind was like blowing up. It was just filling with thoughts I'd never had before. I'd never looked at God that way. I'd never looked at life and meaning that way. It just opened my eyes and I would just respond in prayer and praise to God. It was so meaningful to me. I remember also when I was in Virginia, that was the time that I went to my first Christian conference. It was an R.C. Sproul conference on the holiness of God. And that dude is such a scholar. So he didn't use PowerPoint. That was weak in his eyes. He pulled a chalkboard up on the stage in front of a thousand people. And he pulls out his chalk and he begins writing it up and using all these words that I don't know what they mean. He's talking about all these reformers who died hundreds of years ago. I don't know who they are. But I remember feeling more passionately worshipful in that conference at any moment in my life. As he began to open up for us from the word of God what the holiness of God means. It just blew me away. So theology and spiritual growth go hand in hand. The more you learn about God, the more you love God and the more you become like Jesus. It fuels your worship. It fuels your spiritual development in life. Paul puts it this way in Philippians chapter one. This is his prayer for us. This I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment. That's good theology right there. You would know God better. You would discern truth more so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. You wanna be blameless in front of God? You get there through good theology. You learn truth about who God is, how he works, and your whole spiritual life flourishes. So the third reason that we study good theology is because it helps us to grow in our spiritual life. I challenge you to go grab a book from A.W. Tozer or Elizabeth Elliot, read it, and not grow spiritually. There's a lot of theology in those books. 
And yet as your mind is open to the truths about God, it will take you deeper in your spiritual walk than you've ever been. So we study good theology to help us grow. Fourth, we study good theology to find strength in the midst of adversity. Your theology is tested when life gets hard. When you begin to suffer, when you're in pain, when you're depressed, when you're in despair, when you're lonely, that's when the quality of your theology is tested. And if it passes the test, you will find strength to face all of the struggles of this life. There's a guy in the Old Testament named Asaph. He wrote Psalm 73 and some other psalms. He lived at a very difficult time in Israel's history. So here's what he writes to us. Surely in vain have I kept my heart pure. In vain have I washed my hands in innocence. All day long I've been plagued. I have been punished every morning. When I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me. He lived in a really dark time in Israel's history where everyone who was righteous was getting persecuted and literally killed. And the people who were wicked were prospering. They were making fortunes and living long lives. And so Asaph looks around at all the pain and it just leaves him utterly depressed. He's writing in the midst of despair and depression. He's just crushed. He can't stomach life. And so what does he do in that moment of despair? Well, I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood there, that is the wicked's final destiny. Surely you, that is God, place the wicked on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward you will take me into glory. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. What delivers him is that he goes to the sanctuary. In the Old Testament, that's where you go to learn about God. So he goes to the place where God is taught, where God is worshipped, and he receives these truths about God, and they help him to believe that God is righteous, and God will punish the wicked at some point in the future, and God will deliver the righteous at some point in the future, and in the end, the righteous will be taken home to glory. That's the next life. Asaph reflects on the fact that God is faithful, God is with him, God is true. So he learns theology and that theology gives him strength to face the pain and suffering of life around him. Good theology gives you strength when you face pain, suffering, loneliness, and depression. Now it doesn't fix those things. It doesn't make them go away. But it gives you strength in the midst of them. That's what I found in my own life. When I've struggled with suffering or with depression, good theology did not work like a light switch and make it suddenly go away. I can't read it or you tozer and my depression falls away. No, but what it does is in the midst of it, it gives me a weapon. Now I have a weapon to fight back against suffering and despair and doubt and depression and loneliness. I have tools in my arsenal to fight back against those things. That's what good theology does for you. It equips you. So you can stand strong and faithful when life gets hard. I I really appreciate how J.I. Packer put it. He said, we are cruel to ourselves. You're cruel to yourself if we try to live in this world without knowing about the God whose world it is and who runs it. The world becomes a strange, mad, painful place and life in it a disappointing and unpleasant business for those who do not know about God. Disregard the study of God, that is theology, And you sentence yourself to stumble and blunder through life, blindfolded as it were, with no sense of direction and no understanding of what surrounds you. If you don't take the time to study theology, you're just hurting yourself. 
You're putting a blindfold on your eyes, trying to make it through this life without the information you need to stand strong. You will hurt yourself if you don't learn who God is, what he's done, and how he works. A good theology, it gives you strength to endure when life gets hard. That's the fourth reason to study it. Fifth reason to study theology. You need good theology to raise your kids right. Good theology is essential to good parenting. They say that again. Good theology is essential to good parenting. You cannot be a good parent if you don't have good theology. Here's how God puts it in one of the most important verses in the Old Testament. Doing like a most famous verses morning. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 7. Parents, this should be one of the verses that you commit to memory and know. You shall teach these words, that is the word of God, the Bible, diligently to your sons, to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. In Old Testament times, in the nation of Israel, a parent's first and foremost responsibility was to teach his or her children about God. You are responsible to talk about who God is and what God's done. And notice, you were to do that all the time. When you lie down, when you rise up, when you're walking, all times, you are talking to your kids about God. You are helping them to understand who he is and what he's done and, and how he's designed the world to operate. And so for Jews in the Old Testament, theology became the centerpiece of family life. The whole family was oriented around theology. Before every meal and after every meal, they prayed theologically rich prayers to God. And the parents would, as they sat at the dinner table, ask their kids about God. It was a test every day in a Jewish family. They talked about God when they went out. They talked about God when they came home. They actually put scripture on the posts of the doors of their homes. You would see it every time you went in and out. And all Jewish holidays all through the year were full of theology. Jewish holidays aren't really like our holidays. They're way more complex. If you ever have the chance to attend a Passover celebration, you need to do it at least once in your life. It's not like any American holiday you've ever seen. It's, it's really complex. We get around and we celebrate food. They get around a table with food that doesn't taste good. Passover food does not taste good, but every element of the food is designed to teach you something about who God is. And so every element of the food has a story, and the parents are responsible to tell their kids the stories from the Old Testament about who God is and what he's done with every course of that meal. And then after the stories, the parents quiz the kids. It really is a test for the holiday. And then they pray together about God. It's just this theologically full moment when the family comes together to reflect on God. That's what God wants us to do. Not necessarily to celebrate Passover, unless you happen to be Jewish, but to celebrate throughout the entirety of the year who God is with our kids. God is challenging us as parents to learn good theology so we can pass it on to our kids. We need to talk to our kids about who God is and and what he's done. It's our responsibility to raise our kids to know God. Now, now let's be clear, parents. It is not our responsibility to make our kids believe in God or love God. We can't control that. That's between them and God. But what we can control is whether or not our children are exposed to God. Whether they hear from us about who God is and what he's done. Whether they see in us a model of following God. That is our responsibility. 
There's a number of articles that have been written in the past few years about a trend that all of us, all churches, all professors, all seminarians are seeing throughout the United States. An incredible and epidemic decline in biblical and spiritual literacy among the young. Young kids who are growing up in the church, so many of them do not know the stories, the characters, the books of the Bible. They do not know theology, and that is not the church's fault. Because God's not talking to the church in that verse. He's talking to us. You and me, parents. It is our responsibility to train our children to know the word of God and who God is and what he's done. Again, we cannot control how they turn out, whether they believe, whether they love God. That's not ours to control, but we do control what we expose them to in the word of God and the model that we live for them. And so if our kids are growing up biblically and theologically illiterate, that's our fault as parents. We must study good theology so we can pass it on to our kids. John Wesley, I don't know if that name is familiar to you. He's the guy who planted the Methodist denomination. One of the most prolific preachers in the history of the church. Incredible guy, absolute stud in the faith. Here's what he said as he reflected back on his life. I learned more about Christianity from my mother than from all the theologians of England. If you look at who that guy, this guy, hundreds of years ago in England, the theologians in England at that time were phenomenal. I can't even read, these guys are just mind-blowing, and yet John says, my mom, better than all of them. And that's true. Moms, dads, you are the most important theologian in your child's life. They will learn far more from you than from any theological book, any podcast, or any preacher, myself included. You're the one who will grow them in the word of God to know him and understand his ways. And so you are responsible to be like John Wesley's mom. May every one of us in this room become like John Wesley's mom and teach our children good theology. So my big idea is this morning, we are all theologians, whether we recognize it or not, and we desperately need good theology. You are not gonna make it through this life if you do not have good theology. Every aspect of your life is dependent on knowing truth about who God is, what he's done, and the world he's made. So my application is really pretty straightforward. You desperately need good theology. Unfortunately, that's what this summer is for. So I'm gonna challenge you to engage in the summer preaching series more deeply than maybe you've ever engaged in a summer preaching series. Because it's summertime and it's time to check out and head out on vacation. But we have something called the internet. And the internet allows you to engage in the sermons even when you miss a week. And so what I'm gonna challenge every one of us to do, I want you to listen to each sermon each week. Don't miss a week because each week is on a major topic. Like there's one on Christology all about Jesus. If you miss that one, like that's the center of your whole religion. That's a big hole in your life. So please listen to the sermons, take notes, look up the passages. So after you hear a passage in a sermon, go look it up, read it on your own, read what's around it, think about it, meditate on it, spend time with these sermons going deep. Okay, so I want you to engage in the sermons, listen to them, take notes, look up the passages, review your notes, and then each week we're going to write questions, just one page of a few questions to help you really own the truths we're teaching. The sermons, the notes, the PowerPoint, and the weekly questions will be posted on the website every Tuesday afternoon all summer long. 
So just Tuesday afternoon, go to the website. If you missed the sermon, watch it. We got video or listen to it audio. Look at the PowerPoint and the notes. Look at the questions. Spend some time thinking about it. Go deep this summer. I really want you to learn this theology as we go through it so you can own it and it can help you to love and obey God better. If you have more time to go even deeper, here's the schedule, by the way. You can find it on the website. We're going to be rotating. I I want some time to preach at the other two campuses too this summer, so I'll be moving around too. So summer schedule's online. If you have more time to go deeper in your study of theology this summer, I'm going to recommend some resources to you. First of all, two of the books that I read at Barnes & Noble when I was hopped up on caffeine. They really are awesome books. Moody Handbook of Theology by Paul Enns is a book, and listen carefully, parents, Every family should have that book on the shelf. It's incredibly useful, short chapters on major subjects of theology, on major parts of the Bible, incredibly useful. So Moody Handbook of Theology by Paul Enns, and then the Survey of Bible Doctor by Charles Ryrie. It's really short, quick read, will help overview theology for you. We also have a Bible study on our website. It's called Essentials. So if you go to the website, click Resources and Bible Studies. Essentials is a packet we wrote. It's free. You can download it, give it to whoever you want. It will walk you through theology if you want to go deeper. And then my final recommendation for you, a lot of theology books and resources. My final recommendation is to pick up one of these. I did not bring my Bible on the stage today. I brought a hymnal. My little red hymnal. I've had this literally longer than I can remember. I know it's from the Arlington Bible Church, so someone stole it from there a long time ago. It's copyright 1963, so it's been around a long time. This hymnal goes with me on every day with the Lord, every retreat, every time that I have to spend alone with the Lord. I take this book because I love the songs we sing. I love the worship set we had this morning. But sometimes for me, I need to connect with people who lived hundreds of years ago and wrote really deep theological truths and I need to reflect on it. And for me, that opens my eyes to who God is and helps me to walk with him. So I have this thing dog-leafed all over. I'm getting to the point where I'm not going to be able to dog-leaf any more pages because they will all be dog-leafed. But some of my favorites, I was looking through this morning, Immortal, Invisible. I don't know if you've heard this song. This is literally my favorite song in the whole world. Um, Play this at my funeral if my wife is listening. Um, Immortal, Invisible. Immortal, invisible, God only wise, in light and accessible, hid from our eyes. Most blessed, most glorious, the ancient of days, almighty, victorious, thy great name we praise. Unresting, unhasting, and silent as light, nor wanting, nor wasting, thou rulest in might. Thy justice like mountains, high soaring above, thy clouds which are fountains of goodness and love. Great Father of glory, pure Father of light, thine angels adore thee, all veiling their sight. All praise we would render, O help us to see, tis only the splendor of light hideth thee. I've got goosebumps all over now every time I read it. Only the splendor of light hideth thee. Chew on that for an hour. It's amazing stuff in here that will warm your soul and draw you closer to God. To God be the glory. Some of you grew up singing that song. We did in the little Bible church that I grew up in. To God be the glory, great things he hath done, so loved he the world that he gave us his son, who yielded his life an atonement for sin and opened the life gate that all may go in. O perfect redemption, the purchase of blood, to every believer the promise of God, the vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus a pardon receives. There's a whole book on soteriology. Right there. It's incredible. It's deep. So grab a hymnal. You can probably steal one from any church around here because no one uses them anymore. (laughs) 
Just walk out with one. It's okay. Take it with you when you sit down with God and spend time meditating on the hymns of church history and it will warm your soul and deepen your theology. You need good theology. You need to know who God is and what he's done and how he's designed his world to work. That's absolutely essential to your life and to the life of your kids. And so I'm going to pray for you now and I'm going to pray that God will use this summer and make it something you'll never forget, that this summer will stick with you because you're going to go deeper in your understanding of the word of God than you ever have before. Heavenly Father, we praise you that you are a God of truth. We praise you that you are truth. We praise you, God of truth, that you've chosen to reveal yourself. You've not hidden yourself in darkness. You've revealed yourself in light. You've spoken to us in your word. You've revealed what is true to us so that we can know you and know ourselves and understand the world we live in. We praise you, God, that you have shown us your love and your majesty and your holiness and your grace. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that this summer you would meet us in our sermons and in our time in your word and in our time in prayer and in worship and that you would deepen our theology, that you would grow us to know you in truth and to understand your works and your ways and to understand ourselves better. We pray that you would meet us here and that your word and your spirit and your people would teach us. And we pray, Lord, that as we learn more about you, that that would not be turned into pride by the evil one, but that instead we would be humble with that knowledge and it would be turned into love. That it would grow us to love you more and appreciate you more and worship you more. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that the end result of growing in all of this theological knowledge is that as we love you more, that we might speak to others about you more. We pray, God, that you would help us to love you and know you more so that we can tell others about you, about Jesus, about the gospel. I pray that for every one of us, Lord, that we would be quick to talk about you with our friends and our neighbors and our family who don't know you yet. I pray, God, that you would make us a a family of people who, who know you and love you with our minds so much that we love others by telling them about you. Thank you for the gift of your son who has made our atonement and redemption possible. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you all. Have a great week.